The 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors, home to all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Visit dundeal.ie today to start the search for your next car. I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could have me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. Rugby <laughs> <laughs> Rugby Weekly. Well, hello and welcome to the Rugby Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Hussey, stepping in today in the absence of Kieran and Murray. But fear not, Gavin Casey is on the line to chat with us. How's it going, Gav? Thanks, Sean. It's a real honour to be joining you on the podcast. <laughs> How are you doing? Thanks for stepping in. I'm looking forward to the chat. Yeah, me too. On today's show, we're going to be discussing the upcoming festive season Interpros. Connacht and Ulster named their teams yesterday for tonight's URC Derby at Raven Hill. But we have to start, Gavin, with the continued fallout from Archie Snyman's move to Leinster. The sides meet in Limerick on St. Stephen's Day under the lights. It's sure to be a spicy affair. Both head coaches have given their thoughts on the move. Graham Rountree says it was a huge surprise. Uh, Leo Cullen saying uh, Snyman could be that little bit extra to get Leinster over the line. A week or so has kind of passed now. It's, uh, they say a week's a long time in politics. It feels like a long time in uh, Irish rugby. Yeah, I think it has probably descended to the kind of trading of barbs between both fans of both provinces, at least in some quarters, right? Not across the board necessarily, where it does feel a little bit laborious now. And the news story, as you say, is a week old. So a lot of the kind of emotive responses to it feel... A little bit contrived to me at this point, but it's probably, in fairness, helped along as a news story by the fact that we've only heard from the head coaches on it in the last 24, 48 hours. So that's bound to spark more headlines and more conversation and discourse. And uh, Craig Casey, I think, was speaking about it as well. And it's an interesting dynamic as he sort of describes it in the monster dressing room because Orhe Simon is not really in that dressing room at the moment he's obviously going through rehab so he's doing his own thing to a degree as he would be in typical circumstances when you're recovering from injury and as he has been for the bulk of his monster career I guess it's interesting though when it's framed as though he's sort of away from the squad now that he's leaving whereas when he was recovering from those two ACL injuries the the yarn was that he was unbelievably integral and influential and helpful to all the young players even though he was doing his own rehab program and I have to say what sort of intrigued me about what Leo Cullen said aside from the obvious in that you're bringing in a player of elite caliber that can help you get over the line is this is the first time in a long time that Leinster have been in the market for a player like this which is a clear response to some of the criticism or or maybe some of the accusations leveled towards Leinster that they're kind of favoured in this equation by the IRFU you know, in how all of this has played out. And he points out, like, it's a double World Cup winner, winner we're bringing into the building and we just really haven't been doing that in the last decade or so, which is a legitimate point, even though they've obviously brought in some really good foreign players in the interim. And... Um, I, I I have to say, like, I'm, I'm looking forward to moving on from the story. I'm I'm actually looking forward to seeing how Snyman goes when he returns from Munster in around March time, if that is the case. And I do think once the news cycle is finished with this story, things will sort of return to normal. But what you could say on the positive front is that it has added a, an extra layer of spice to what's already an eagerly anticipated Interpro Craig Casey made the point that it doesn't need additional spice and he's right but you know what like why not take it up a notch it's it's probably got the country talking more about the game than would be typically the case and that's no bad thing 
Leo Cullen said it's a departure from the norm and he likened it to the potential legacy that Rocky Elsom and Brad Thorne and people like that have in the past. When you look at the the current makeup of that Leinster side, obviously Jason Jenkins in there uh, as the non-Irish qualified player in there. Do you think Snyman, with it being announced in December, with the next few months, do you think there's going to be a little bit more focus on, on some of those Leinster players? off the back of losing two Champions Cup finals in the last couple of years. Is it a kind of a, almost a message from Leo Cullen and the Leinster side going, you know, we do need that little bit extra that he's talking about? Yeah, I think it's a really clever piece of psychology by Leo Cullen for exactly those reasons, Sean, in the sense that, well, in two ways, actually. Announcing it a couple of days before you play Munster is pretty sensational by Leinster, I have to say, in that as much as it won't upset the monster dressing room or anything to that extent, it does send a little bit of a ripple through there, right? That one of your teammates about whom you've grown most fond and one of the most influential guys in your dressing room over the last few years, regardless of his game time, is heading to your nearest rivals. And I don't think any of the players who understand the pitfalls of professional rugby and who understand the importance of getting a contract in which you... Uh, receive your worth and also understand the familial aspect to this in which Snyman's wife clearly wanted to remain in Ireland will hold it against him but there is going to be a little bit of slagging I'm sure when he is knocking around the place and then for Leinster as you outline if you're any of the players in that Leinster dressing room currently and you hear your head coach saying this is a guy who can put us over the top and I am paraphrasing there but that was kind of the implication from Colin that Simon is a guy who can take us to a level that we haven't been at And when you're a player who is training and playing in the knowledge that they didn't quite get over the line uh, at the business end last season, of course you're going to think, you know, F this, like, I'll be the guy to take us there this year. Or you're like, you know, if you're James Ryan and Joe McCarthy, you're probably having conversations like, yeah, it's going to be interesting when Snyman arrives in, but he's not our teammate yet. And we've got a season in which we'll fancy our chances of getting that fifth star in Europe, you know, going one or two better in the URC. And I think that's a perfect scenario from Colin's point of view. I think he and Jack Neenaber have played it unbelievably well. It's an astute signing. I think Bernard Jackman outlined on Rugby Weekly Extra on Monday that Snyman is a guy who you need for three or four games at the end of a season. Leinster are going to be in a Champions Cup semi-final, let's say. I was going to say almost by default, and that sounds as though it would be to disregard how much work it takes to get there. But they are good enough to be there. And you are see the same. And Snyman is a guy who, as we saw with Munster in the URC final, is he's a championship winner. As we saw, I would say, in South Africa's semi-final win over England in particular, when Snyman came off the bench, came off the bench, unbelievably influential. I think that game might have been, oh, right, the game was obviously getting away from South Africa for pretty much all of it, but I think it may have slipped away altogether were it not for the influence of Snyman. He's a he's a championship guy, you know, and. Like those are the guys ultimately that make the difference. Leinster may prove in the interim that they didn't need a difference to be made. But then what happens, Sean, if Snyman arrives into a dressing room who've just become European champions, who've just won a URC, for example, you know, you're strengthening from a position of strength, which is a win-win from Colin's point of view. You mentioned there the Leinster dressing room. I'm quite interested in the Munster and the psyche that will be in the players and what Graham Rowntree will be talking to the players about, because I'm sure that they would have had meetings about this we heard Craig Casey say he was surprised Roundtree said he was surprised like that dynamic between Snyman who we all know is injured and he's been working away and as you mentioned earlier that he was a lot closer to the 
to the setup uh so they were saying when when before this got announced but Munster they've lost Keith Earls he's retired Peter Mahoney's injured so they are lacking a little bit of experience it could be a fragile dressing room when Leinster come on St. Stephen's Day I don't think it will be and actually I don't think they would have had meetings about it or anything to that degree I, I actually I actually think this would be similar to a normal workplace where you catch wind that one of your colleagues is leaving for a competitor right and in this case again Snyman hadn't been offered a new contract by Munster. They weren't in a position to do that for reasons beyond their control. That should be stressed. But ultimately, they did not offer him a new contract. So, again, I don't I don't foresee a situation in which any of his colleagues who understand the pitfalls of professional rugby and understand the familial implications of this will hold it against him. And I think it might be just one of those situations where, like you and I have experienced, like most of our listeners will have experienced, you're kind of fond of a guy who works with you or a woman and suddenly they're leaving and you're like, oh no, I'll miss you, you know. And listen, we work in media, how it's a pretty incestuous industry in the sense that there aren't too many places you can actually go. So we've probably all had colleagues who've left for rival publications or whatever. You still remain friendly with them afterwards, right? So and I think it would have been just one of those situations where the players probably actually learned about it from Jerry Thornley's initial report in the Irish Times. I'm sure that would have been sent around a few WhatsApps and then it's confirmed during the week. Look, I'm sure they would have probably understood that it was confirmed before it was officially formalised as far as we were concerned. But, you know, I think it's just as simple as that. Like, it's probably a situation in which Munster players who've grown close to him will miss him. They'll slag the shite out of him over the next couple of weeks and months when they do see him. When he's back on the pitch in March, this will no longer really be a news story. And or hey, Snyman will want to be leaving Munster on the best possible terms he's a winner like this is a guy who wants to win trophies so like in a long-winded way i'm saying it'll all be grand in the end right and listen if you're somebody like edwin adogbo or maybe thomas ahern if he still has aspirations of playing lock maybe it has the opposite effect of what i was saying with say somebody like uh james ryan or joe mccarthy or ryan baird where it's like well i'm going to be the main guy now uh, almost by default but I have to be ready to be the main guy you know and uh, if we're in a, a a sort of a championship situation in 18 months time um, you know I have to be ready to be I have to be ready to be able to do things that Orhe Snyman is able to do now and the things that I've learned from him so um, I'm not saying that any of them will be relieved that he's leaving but I'm just saying there's a a window that opens for them as well some of those younger guys so um whether or not it would influence, like impact Monster's dressing room on Stephen's Day, I doubt it. I still think there are enough, I mean, more than enough leaders in that dressing room or in that environment, let's say, where the focus will solely be on Leinster. Like, bear in mind, they only played them a couple of weeks ago. Well, uh, about a month ago now. And and people said they should have beaten Leinster at Aviva. I didn't really feel that way, but it was certainly close. And this time it's in your own garden. You've got to get the job done. Monster need a win as well, by the way. You know, they've had two, let's say, a poor performance and a poor finish to a performance. And there's up against it now in Europe. You can kickstart your season in a big way here by getting one over on Lancer, particularly in light of the news that has broken this week, right? And um, I look at, say, the likes of, even in the absence of Peter Romani, like I, I can see Dermot Barron really kind of flourishing as a leader. Tyke Byrne obviously will be the long-term captain. I mean, you could probably announce it now, to be honest. Um, 
you're right to, to point out like say the lack of Andrew Conway Keith Earl is really important guys around the changing room but again like in the the vacuum that opens up in their absence you have I think you have enough young characters in that monster dressing room who will fill those voids eventually and when it comes to the Leinster coming to Tolman Park I think it's it'd be difficult for any of those players to be thinking about anything else anyway to be honest yeah, what an opportunity Munster have. We will touch on the field and get away from all the off-the-field stuff. A lot of talk in the last while, and we've spoken about it on Rugby Weekly Extra with yourself and Murray and Birch and Owen. What kind of team are you expecting Leinster to play? And are you expecting them to maybe rest a couple... Well, not rest a couple of players, but just make a couple of changes because they can, they can afford to with, with how big a squad they have? Yeah, I would imagine they'll rotate a little bit uh, probably not to the extent that might have been the case like three or four years ago where it would have been like a full-on second team. I'd imagine they'll have definitely a sprinkling at least of frontliners and, and a bit of a, uh, I, I would imagine a kind of a combination of like six, seven you know, European starters, let's say, and then other guys who might be on a bench for a big European game and just try and give guys minutes in a really tough environment. Like Lenser have always been good at that and let's be honest, usually they win those games when they do that as well, when there's a little bit of rotation. Obviously, it wasn't the case in the URC semi-final last season, and maybe that might influence Leo Cullen's thinking and Jack Nienaber's thinking in the sense that, you know, it's maybe it'd be pretty dangerous to allow Munster to get one over on you at home this time around, just given the fact that the last game was so close, the fact that they had beaten you in that URC semi-final. Leinster love nothing more than to squash Munster's dreams right anytime there's been any kind of a a sniff or a, a whiff of rebellion coming from the south they've quashed it pretty quickly in the last few years and when the gap has seemed to close ever so slightly particularly under Johan van Kran Lenser would almost make a point of battering Munster in the next game and it might not be a battering in terms of the scoreline but it might be that they sent down you know almost a fully second team and turned Munster over at Thoman Park just to flex their muscles a little bit you've got to be careful with that to um you know, Munster have definitely closed that gap and Lencer would love nothing more than to just offer them a reminder that they're still top dogs. So, but they also, I think, will be confident that if you, say, if you bring people like Will Connors back into a starting lineup or back into a match day squad, like, he's an international caliber player. He's more than equipped to go toe-to-toe with John Hodnett or whoever might start open side for Munster. You know what I mean? So, um, and that is also a really invigorating thing. If you play a a slightly rotated team, just a, a, a refreshed team, and you turn over your biggest rivals on their own patch. I mean, you're away then for the season, you know. You're good to go, really. Like, you've got suddenly got 35, 40 guys who are absolutely buzzing and really competing with each other. And as I say, Leinster have been experts at that in recent years. Well, it should be a cracking game and a big opportunity for Munster to really kickstart their season. This episode of the 42 Rugby Weekly is brought to you by Dundeal Motors. Visit Dundeal Motors for confident car buying and deals to feel great about from all of Ireland's trusted car dealerships. Going to go to the other Interpro and we have the team news for that tonight in Ravenhill, Connacht and Ulster. Connacht have made seven changes from their Champions Cup defeat to Saracens and crucially for them, a boost. Mac Hansen is back. Yeah, back at full back as well, which he's played a little bit there for Connacht, obviously, but probably not in a game of this magnitude off the top of my head anyway. And I'm really excited to see how he goes there because there are people out there for understandable reasons who believe it will be his best position eventually. He's obviously an unbelievable footballer. We've seen him being integrated more in Ireland's attack as, say, a 
a first receiver a first receiver a kind of a de facto out half at times not only receiving the ball first but actually being the option to produce a cross field kick being the option to play a, a chip over the top and at fullback you just have that little bit more scope to do that right you just have those extra couple of seconds to identify space where he has the footballing ability to actually exploit that a little bit trickier on the wing obviously and you've got uh, Shane Bolden and Byron Ralston on the wings it's a pretty good looking kind of team I think and they obviously desperately need a response but then you look at Ulster it's like it's full bore again I, I'm, I think it's going to be a cracking game this no Billy Burns obviously Jake Flannery gets the nod at 10 I'm actually really excited to see how he goes at 10 in the sense that you're you're going to be the fulcrum now in a team that is absolutely frothing like really will have a spring in its step from that game against Racing last week and you're in charge of it now you get to boss them around the place this is a team that should be full of confidence and maybe those are uh or maybe that's an environment in which we haven't quite seen Flannery get the opportunity yet. He's probably been playing in an Ulster team that is a little bit unsure of him, or unsure of itself when he's had those chances so far. This is now a chance to really steer uh, what, what I mean, all Irish rugby fans really, apart from Connacht fans this weekend, should hope is a kind of a well-oiled team because you have the likes of Stuart McCluskey playing unbelievable ball. There are Six Nations implications there. You have James Hume who looks like he is back to his best. And I was saying to Owen Tulin on Wednesday's pod, Somebody like Hume, I always find it curious how it's discussed that like he dropped off the face of the earth last season or that his form just nosedived and it's rarely acknowledged that he picked up an injury on the Tour of New Zealand which ruled him out for four months at the start of last season. So you don't get a pre-season, you don't really get a... You, you get absolutely no meaningful rugby until after Christmas and then you're at such a deficit in terms of your conditioning in terms of collision fitness all of these sorts of things that you're bound to be off the pace until spring at least and then you get to spring and also are knocked out of the urc playoffs he never got a chance to get going last season he's gotten that chance this season and he looks dangerous he looks exciting and you like i've mentioned mccluskey and hume there and i do think antoine frisch has to be in that mix in ireland's midfield as well obviously they can't all be in a six nation squad but it's a it's an exciting time for irish centers in general and I think a, a highly functioning Ulster attack where they have a little bit more leeway and a little bit more autonomy in what they're doing is a good thing for Irish rugby because of those two guys in midfield. I'm excited to see how Ulster go. I think this is a more important game for Ulster than it is for Connacht in the sense that if you win back-to-back two big games and if you look good doing it, a little bit like Leinster if they were to beat Munster at home, and I think you're not that you're good for the season, but you've just built up a head of steam that will be tough to stop. If you don't, and if Connacht go up there and do what they did to them in those UFC playoffs last season, all the same questions about Ulster come back. All of the same questions about Dan McFarlane's leadership come back. I would say that, you know, unsure mood in the dressing room returns pretty quickly and it could be a long season. So I think it's a pivotal game for them. Whereas for Connacht, as much as, yes, they need a response, you do have that little bit of leeway of it being a brand new coaching ticket. People are only betting in, ideas are only being implemented now and that should bear fruit in the coming months. But if it doesn't this weekend, you can point towards the fact that everything is still new. Well, you mentioned that quarterfinal defeat in the playoffs last, or sorry, the playoffs defeat last year. I think revenge might be on the cards for Ulster. Just look at John Cooney, obviously going up against his former team, being picked in the last few weeks over Nathan Doak. 
he's played really well against Rassen. I think he was one of the high points for Ulster. But again, he he must be in that that mind now of of kicking on and really cementing his place. Yeah, I think he's a. a the, it's an obvious point, but the fact that he is starting and the fact that he started last week is kind of testament to the fact that he's probably just got a nose ahead of Doak at the moment in terms of his form. And I thought he was really brilliant against Racing in a game where his opposite number, Nolan Legarrick, kind of stole the show in a way, despite the fact that it wound up being a heavy defeat for Racing. Cooney is a guy like, when I saw Cooney named in the team to play Racing, he strikes me as a guy who these days will start when Ulster, when Dan McFarlane and Ulster know he's absolutely on it. Like, it seems like he must have had like this really brilliant week of training or even just built a few brilliant weeks of training in a row where they know, okay, like John might have a game here. And he's had more than a few of them, obviously, in an Ulster jersey. But you get to, he's approaching his mid-30s, I guess. And maybe those kind of bursts of form are fewer and further between. But I think the fact that he starts again is, um, you know, they, they reverted to experience last week in a big way. Tom Stewart has been kind of their captain for most of the season so far. And he's such an exciting prospect, I think, with our, an Ireland future as well. But, you know, they went back to Rob Herring. Obviously, Ian Henderson was there as well. And maybe they feel as though just having a few more of those really senior figures in the squad is the best thing for them at the moment. So um, it's, a, it's an opportunity for Cooney, like, because... As you say, yeah, former club, but I would say more so, you know, I know he, the door seemed to have closed on him for Ireland a long time ago. And I think there were some personality clashes there. Him and Sexton obviously didn't gel for whatever reason. I don't know if they necessarily got on off the field. And you do need to almost be friendly with your halfback partner, I think. I wouldn't say they like particularly hate each other or anything, by the way, but just one of those things where they didn't gel. Well, Sexton's not there now. You know, does like, and I would say Ireland's depth at scrum half isn't enormous either. You know, never say never. Maybe like he was pretty close to declaring for Scotland, but who knows if he becomes Ulster starter on a routine basis and they're winning games into the spring. You know, would you be against bringing a John Cooney as a third choice scrum half, say, behind Gibson Park and Craig Casey? I personally wouldn't be anyway. Well, it's all about hitting form at the right time. He, he was speaking during the week, John Cooney, about going up against one of his closest friends and Jack Carty. Uh, obviously, had time together at Connacht. Just looking at both teams, they both made uh, changes in the front row. Marty Moore set for his first start in nearly a year after a knee injury. It's going to be an interesting dynamic, that the scrum. Yeah, it should be. It should be. And I think it's, um, you know, Ulster held up very well against Racing in the scrum Connacht's probably hasn't been great I'm just kind of running through games in my head here and like obviously it's been a pretty I'd say it's been an issue for nearly all of the provinces so far this season Leinster were very good against Sale it became a real weapon for them but you know it was Sale and it wasn't a full strength Sale team Birch did touch upon this as well on Monday's pod just um, I suppose putting together a kind of a program that used to exist under Joe Schmidt where we're looking to really like funneling resources into the production of front row options which I would say we probably don't have too many international caliber options in Ireland at the moment we do have some talented young fellas coming through for sure I think like this game the scrum will be huge but equally the lineup will be huge because you've got this situation in which Ulster's lineout against Racing was so, as in their offensive lineout, was so dysfunctional and inaccurate 
And then you've had this issue with Connacht where their line-out defence, which has traditionally been very good, or at least was last season, has been terrible this season. So, you know, something has to give there, I guess. And uh, in a kind of a game like this where you're probably going to... It's probably going to be determined by a score. Like, you know... A set piece is important in every single game, but set piece is especially important in this kind of a game where it'll lead to a penalty and say John Cooney kicks three points or Jack Carty. You know what I'm saying? Like it's I think it's gonna be really instrumental in this line out scrum. Again, it's kind of an obvious point, but I, I actually think whoever gets the upper hand in those two areas probably wins the game because typically these games between these two teams there's nothing in them otherwise. Yeah, they're two, they should be two really cracking interpros with lots uh, on the line. Gavin, it's uh, been a great year. Obviously, we wish you a happy Christmas. I presume your plans for Christmas are going to revolve around that game on St. Stephen's Day. Yeah, heading to Glengarf with my family for Christmas. I've got a, a couple of sessions with friends to get out of the way first. So we'll see how those go. Roll into Christmas then, I would say, possibly even literally. And uh, I think, as I said to our subscribers on Wednesday's pod, we'll be back with the pod on um, the 27th, looking back over Monster Leinster and uh, Ulster Connacht as well. Kieran Kennedy is going to join me for that one. And then we'll have a special episode, a kind of a concept episode a little bit later in the week. I don't want to give away too much about that. I just wanted to land in people's podcast feeds. Basically, it digs into one specific area of the game in the professional era with an expert in their field and I really enjoyed that uh, chat so hopefully our listeners will as well it's the 42.e forward slash extra if you want to join us there for the uh, additional couple of podcasts a week uh, but Shawnee I, what about taking this job on a permanent <laughs> basis no I think I think you're better at it than me Gavin and I'm sure our <laughs> listeners will agree no no I, I, I think you nailed it I think you know I'm going to come under serious pressure my worry is you might want to come on on the 27th if Munster are uh, dealt a bit of a hammer blow by Leinster and it could be a hiding but well, who knows? Hopefully we see you on the 27th. My worry is I won't be asked to come on on the 27th. Shawnee be taking over. Cheers, Gavin. Nice one, man. Appreciate it. And we wish all the listeners of the 42 Rugby Weekly a very happy Christmas and a reminder that you can get more podcasts. You can get the Rugby Weekly Extra by becoming a subscriber at the 42. But from all of us at the 42 team, we wish you a Merry Christmas. And Gavin and Kieran will be back next week to review both the Interpro Derbies. Take care. Put the boys in the better land. You're always talking about the boys in the better land. The boys in the better land. Join the stop names for filthy double barrels. Spit out.